This is March 26th, Friday morning. And we've been walking through this week, getting much closer to Jesus crucified. Maybe you've read the Harry Potter books, but from chapter 33 of the seventh of the books, we read about the battle that took place at Hogwarts as the servants of evil seek to destroy the good young wizard named Harry and all his friends. This is what we're told. Voldemort, he's the evil lord, his voice reverberated from the walls and floor, and Harry realized that he was talking to Hogwarts and to all the surrounding area, that the residents of Hogsmeade and all those still fighting in the castle would hear him as clearly as if he stood beside them, his breath on the back of their necks, a death blow away. I speak now, Harry Potter, directly to you. You have permitted your friends to die for you rather than to face me yourself. I shall wait for one hour in the forbidden forest. If at the end of that hour you have not come to me, have not given yourself up, then battle recommences. This time I shall enter the fray myself, Harry Potter, and I shall find you. I shall punish every last man, woman, and child who has tried to conceal you from me. One hour. Now, actually, this book from J.K. Rowling is a wonderful meditation for Lent. We see through the book that Harry Potter is contemplating his own death. You see, he knows he has to face the evil lord, Voldemort, and his death is before him. We see how his friends seek to protect him, and yet he marches toward what he knows what must happen. In the story, Harry actually carries a bit of the soul of the evil lord himself, and he knows he must die to destroy the power of evil and to save everyone else. There is no other way. Of course, he will go and confront evil. Of course, he will die. Now, as we read the Gospels, we know that Jesus can see this. He was born to die. And as he makes his way toward Jerusalem, we realize Jesus didn't end up on the cross because, well, something went wrong. It happened because everything went right. Here's scripture, Hebrews 2, 14 to 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, that's Jesus, shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Yes, Jesus, so had to identify with us that he could take our place in death and remove the power of death. Now, Jesus knows this as he's approaching the cross. Notice what he says to his disciples. This is Mark eight, thirty-one to 33. He, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed. 
You see, the cross isn't an accident in history. It's the fulcrum, the turning point of history. There was no other way. For death to be defeated, Jesus had to enter it fully. He had to die for his body to lay in a grave. Only there could the old story of sin and shame, the old story of division and rejection, die as well. We should have no illusions about this. All that was deserving death did indeed die with him. This is what happened at the cross. And since he is the second Adam, it happened to everyone found in him. As sin came into the world through one man and death with it. So one man died to bring us to life. That's our new story. And it's where we stand because of him. Let's pray. Give us eyes to see your glory, O Lord. You tell us you will, for no reason, clear the guilty, but that you have compassion on us because Jesus took our sin upon himself. As the cross comes into view, reveal to us the glory of your plan to redeem us in Christ. For we pray in his name. Amen.